Mouthing Off is a theater, arts, and culture podcast from Bad Mouth Theater Company in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm Amanda Forstrom. I'm Kevin Couchman. And I'm Mari Sittner. Mouthing Off features compelling interviews and discussions with artists and creators from around the Twin Cities and beyond. Tune in for something different online where you get your podcasts at badmouthtc.com and on the air in St. Paul through Frogtown Radio 94.1 FM. And if you've got something going on around the Twin Cities you'd like to talk about, we want to hear from you. Email us at badmouthtc at gmail.com. Mouthing Off is sponsored by Minnesota Playlist, the digital destination for live performing arts. Producers can find talent to work with. Directors can cast productions with audition ads. Teachers can find students with a classified. And audiences can find the perfect show to attend on the state's largest calendar of theater and dance shows. Find out more at minnesotaplaylist.com. We hope you enjoy the show. We're back with another episode of Melting Off, the theater arts and culture podcast for the Twin Cities and beyond. And Mari is beyond the beyond right now, talking about astrology and Capricorn and technology. I don't, Mari, how are you? You're in New York. That's what I mean by beyond. Yeah, I'm in the beyond, you know, on the mm. East Coast, in the beyond, in the astral realm, in the beyond, because the bleak winter, which is fits with the, the theme of our show. So <laughs> feeling right. esoteric today. <laughs> Very good. And Amanda Forstrom is here as well. So we got the whole crew. We're all here. All three of us are back and I'm ready to rock. And our guests are Terrell X and Matt Kelly from Dark Pony Radio. Terrell, how are you? Uh, how are you today? I can't complain. I'm cold. Minnesota winter Wait. is here. You, you, you say you can't complain and then you immediately complain. Well, I, I guess I'm not complaining. I'm just stating the obvious. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Not, so it's not a complaint. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We threw a little asterisk uh, at it. I'll complain for all five of us. I will okay. complain all day, but but right. that's for the other pod. That's for the podcast down by the docks. Mm -hmm. uh, and and Matt Kelly is here as well. And Matt, how have you been? How is Dark Pony? We're here to talk about your your theater company and your production and what you got for uh, this coming season and Terrell, what he does there, all of it. I'm excited. Yeah, so much. Uh, it's going, I mean, it, you know, it, the year turnover and it's always uh, kind of weird with uh, the multitude of holidays all colliding on each other, people traveling and um, all sorts of things. But so far, so good. We're, uh, we just, I think we're dropping episode, ooh, I want to say four at the end of this month. Um, we've already done three, uh, you know, four recorded, but the fourth is getting edited and, uh, and you know, all the sound effects, all the creepy, weird stuff has been good. Uh, so far, so good. Uh, a lot of original content this season. So, um, it's been great. Uh, and then Terrell is, uh, the person who does, who's been doing all of our, uh, opening music and is also, uh, plays our dark gentleman. Who's one of the hosts of the show as well. Uh, so, mm. uh, Every season has different music, and this season's music is ridiculously creepy um, <laughs> and amazing. Um, yeah, we're we're hitting some weird, icky, grinding kind of grossness this season. So, Terrell, how do you get into character for the the dark gentleman? Is there some like method thing that you do? You just uh, tell me. <laughs> um, I think I try to make dark gentleman not as. Um, um abrasive and uh as 
um, boisterously brazen as Carnage the Executioner, which is my stage per persona is. So Dark Gentleman is more of a like a, He's like a, a gentleman. Yeah, yes, he's like creepier, quieter, creepier, um, darker. Um, Carnage Executioner is just a big, loud mouth, boisterous, um, you know, crazy, crazy rapper. So I, I try to remove what I usually do, you know, um, the most, which is my Carnage Executioner stage persona, away from the, the product of the Dark Gentleman. That's usually the, the easiest easiest thing to start with inside you there are two wolves one of them is carnage the executioner the other is the dark gentleman it's very this good is true. this is yeah. true yeah that's amazing how did the two of you meet and then i want to ask terrell i want to ask you about your your acting background and how you got started with all this but uh maybe matt what how did the two of you meet uh kind of uh, we met through a mutual acquaintances actually through uh paul von stopsel who's done a lot of music videos uh, for Terrell, uh, and then how I can't remember exactly how we met. I think we just met happenstance at at something, um, and then yeah, it just kind of was that the, at the at the haunted the haunted uh, basement. We we might have met there briefly uh, when they were doing cute, uh, and then I, I know I reached out to you about this project doing a song. Yep. Yeah, doing a song for uh, for the the podcast and whatnot. And it kind of mm -hmm. just lost from there. Uh, yeah, I, I think it was kind of like we like like he said, we knew each other through a mutual acquaintance or two. And, um, you know, um, he respected my my music acumen. So uh, Matt hit me up and asked me to do the theme song for um, for Shadow Horse Theater um, or Dark Pony Radio. Sorry. Sorry. Or Dark Pony Radio. And um, I did it in. I remember I was talking to, I was actually talking to um, Benjamin Conklin, who is our, our engineer. And um, he mentioned something about, yeah, what, what if you ever did something in the crew and called yourself the dark gentleman? And it was like, oh, so then we, <laughs> we kind of brought it to Matt and Matt was like, let's do it. You know, I, ch I choose to believe that you two met in a haunted basement. Oh, that's yeah. the yeah, that's my new. <laughs> Absolutely, that's, the, <laughs> that's how all lasting friendships start, right? Well, I mean, and, well, I mean, let's be real. Uh, Mari and I met on the most haunted basement Twitter, and, no. and X. Yeah, X X. Yeah, no, I, 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 no, I'm an OG. I can't call it X. Yeah. I can't do it. I can't I'm, do I'm it. It's so, it's so cringe. I hate it so much. And then Amanda and I met on one of the other haunted basements, which is Instagram. I, you know, <laughs> I, I, I didn't realize that these, these, cause these are two of my favorite people. And I, I just, it occurred to me like, wow, well, we didn't meet on Instagram, Amanda. We met through a theater project that we a did. A theater company. With, yep. With spook and spooky action. But then we connected on Instagram and we, we figured out we're simpatico. So mm -hmm. as much as I, well, I don't want to hold forth too much here, but maybe this will be a topic we can dig into. And before I, I, I want to ask Terrell about his uh, his acting background and how he got started. But like social media, it can, can it really actually can connect you to people. I know we have so much angst about this stuff, but when you when you turn them into let's say IRL connections, it's really it can be wonderful. But it's so tricky. I mean, is the price worth it? I don't know. Because we, <laughs> we can still connect with people without it, right? We used to connect. People used to have socialized. People used to play cards. 
you, I grew up, I'm, I'm dating myself, but in any case, um, <laughs> uh, Terrell, what is your, what is your acting background? Amanda's our resident actor. Mari acts uh, as well. And I sort of stumble through stage directions when I, when I have to, but how did you begin? And, and, uh, yeah, tell us about that. I would say I don't have any formal acting background, um, to, to add, you know, to, on my resume. I mean, I took an acting class in college, um, in like 1996, you know, and um, I think most of my acting kind of comes from the fact that I'm a rapper and I play a character. And um, yeah, uh, when I'm on stage, uh, you know, Carnage Executioner is not a real person, you know, so I, I have the experience in, you know, the experience of, you know, creating an imaginary figure and, and writing that, that concept all the way through my whole rapping career and then being in music videos i've done quite a few few music videos i you know am playing the character physically in the music videos and i've always respected um you know the acting theater i've always you know really respected it and um you know i, I also worked for a theater company i used to work at i used to work a lot with stepping stone theater so i used to do music for um short plays and i used to write short plays help the kids write short plays and stuff like that so i have experience in the area but i don't i wouldn't necessarily call myself an actor I, i'm an actor in training or an amateur actor maybe at best um but I, I wouldn't give myself that much credit you know um as being an actor um yeah. i played around with it and you know give, give me give me a couple stage shows in, in a three or four four more years and i could really say i'm an actor yeah, I mean the the line is so thin, right? I mean, and what you're doing, you're already. I mean, other people would probably say you you are acting if you are not an actor. Let's say that. Yes. Okay. Yes. I have, yes. Historically, I have been acting, but I am not an actor. I, I, okay. I will never okay. be uh, an actor. Um, or does that make us an act? Does that make I, us actors? I you know I don't know. I mean, yeah. as people who are formally trained, I mean, I, I'm kind of used to a to a thing like that with uh with hip hop. You know, a lot of people who are classically trained musicians say hip hop isn't music, but oh. I know I, I, I would, I would tell you I'm a musician because sure. I do music. So maybe I, sh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think I just answered, answered your question a little better. I'm, I'm, I'm a new actor. I'm going to just say uh, that. There you go. That's really, that's really good. Right. I once called a producer friend of mine, a, a baby uh, producer. He really didn't like that. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, man, he's a baby producer. I mean, you know, is, hey, he, a buddy, is he a father? Is that he, he is? Well, yeah, he is. He is. Well, okay, is he a baby producer yeah. then? Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah well, well uh, he adopted. He adopted. So, oh, that's, <laughs> but I mean, you know, we're, we're, this is this this is getting really ontological. I yes, mean, this yes, is getting yes. really <laughs> philosophical and heavy, like very, very fast. Um, Matt, do you have a do you have an acting background? I, I'm not sure we we've discussed that. Yeah. Yeah, I went to school for acting um, for quite a few years, uh, then left I'm sure we discussed but, it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, I don't have a writing background, uh, but mostly performance-based is where I have. And then directing and producing just kind of happened because, you know, uh, to work in this industry, you kind of have to understand everything. And if you don't, you're kind of, you either make it or you don't. Um, so I just wanted to do as much as I could to try to, to try to make myself more valuable and if the shows aren't there for acting or the, you know, the auditions don't come in, I got to do something to be creative. So 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Terrell, yeah. when did you start writing or when did you start creating, um, creating this character? Um, which one? Carnage Executioner? Or, yeah. Um, yep. I started rapping when I was about 12 or 13 years old. Um, I didn't become, I didn't start using the stage persona of Carnage the Executioner until like 1998. So started rapping in, in 87, basically. And then in 98, um, I became a character all the way. So that, that would be um, 20, 20 something years, 20 something years, mm. almost, almost 30 years. And did you feel like when you started Carnage the Executioner that you were able to, that it affected your writing as somebody else, quote unquote, a lot freer? Okay. All all the way. I mean, I I never would have been able to say, you know, 75% of of what I said as Carnage the Executioner if I was rapping as Terrell. It it wouldn't have worked. Nobody would would believe it. Mm. You know, nobody would Mm. believe it. You know, so... I did. This is very interesting because I kind of had, I think, the reverse uh, where I wanted to write and I started as a playwright. And I think whatever modest success I've had as a playwright, which is modest, but I've had some success. I've had productions and I'm, I want more productions if you're out there. Uh, that's all a playwright wants. Mari's smiling. She's like, yeah, she gets it. But I, I realized very quickly that while I did not want to, quote unquote, be an actor, I didn't want to be a professional actor it would help my writing if I went and, and did some acting classes. So I went, I, mm-hmm. I did acting classes, like community theater acting classes in North Minneapolis. I was in, I was in a, uh, the good doctor, uh, the Neil Simon play. It was all really oh, goofy. Okay. Uh, but I was, you know, I was the lead in the play and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Yeah. It's, I, it's all, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Oh no. I was just saying like what I learned the more, cause like uh, I was the opposite of you where I was actor and then started writing. I realized my improv skills because I spent so many years doing improv played more into my writing than anything of mm. how to create scenes, how to build the scenes, look at the scene, write a complete scene in like short span of time and be like, wait, what? Uh, and then allowed me to really just already get that thinking of the fourth or fifth thing right out of the gate rather than that, that like stream conscience, uh, conscious out uh, like some writers do. Uh it was just surprising that improv was the was the tool that used I recognized more than just acting. Um, hmm. I mean, I still see stuff from the character's point of view as an actor and everything, but but yeah, like just that editing and knowing, okay, that's the end of the scene. I don't need more. Yeah. Time. Oh yeah. Done. Oh yeah. One of the one of the greatest tricks I learned uh, was in a writing workshop uh, where they they had us write like five page scenes three page scene, something to this effect. And then they said, now start the scene in the, uh, on the final page and write two more pages and then do the reverse, you know, now shorten it to one page and y- y- getting out of a scene is on so many levels, <laughs> uh, can be a tricky thing to do. Um, and yet knowing when to quit, you don't want to go past the, past the story. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mari, uh, how did you how did you get into playwriting? I know you know we have two guests here, and I want to get back to them, but I think that'll further the the discussion. I'm not even sure I know what kicked off your your playwriting bug. Well, I was always I was always an actor. I was a little theater kid, and then I went to school for I went to college for acting, and I ended up writing similar to you, 
Matt, I had a sort of a comedic streak. I was always in improv classes doing improv and I just wanted to write. I wanted to write the plays that nobody was doing, which I think is pretty common is that as an actor, you kind of write the parts that you would like to play. It's a little, it's a little bit selfish, but I think being an actor and then transitioning into writing, it's so, it is so freeing and you're able to play. And that's the most important thing I think about building a character, something like Carnage the Executioner is being able to play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wanted to ask Terrell, what is uh, Carnage the Executioner rap about? Does he rap about executing people or what are, (laughs) what does he rap about? (laughs) <laughs> Man, I, I would say the basic, um, the basic premise of Carnage the Executioner is um, it's be- becoming the character that allowed me to do all the things I couldn't do as a regular human. So that w- whatever that is, whatever that is, that's, that's, that's uh, being anything other than a human. I always refer to myself in Carnage the Executioner's uh, form as other than a human. It was always like some monstrosity, some beast, some some freak, you know, something like that. And the things that Carnage the Executioner can do are not things that normal people can do. So it's 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 a superhero or 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 an arch uh, arch villain. That's you know, awesome. Love it. Depends yeah. on very which, very oh. Bowie, very Bowie. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say yeah. Lady Gaga too. Also has sort of that hmm. larger than life persona, and she's like, "Don't call me." Don't call me Stephanie, you know, call me Gaga mm-hmm. when I'm when I'm got my facade on and I'm getting ready to perform because it does. It like gets that, you know, carnal mm-hmm. thing in you that that, you know, makes you otherworldly and superhuman. That's awesome. Right. And I don't introduce when I talk to people, I don't introduce I don't ever introduce myself as Carnage, the executioner. Um, I always say I'm Terrell. Um, and then, you know, my stage name is Carnage, the executioner. So I've I've always thought it was corny. To be like, yo, I'm Carnage. It's a, you know, I don't, I don't like to wear my own. Sh- I don't wear a Carnage the Executioner shirt on the regular. I think it's, it's it's kind of a goofy thing, you know. But as Terrell, I can wear a Carnage shirt. As Carnage, I can wear a Terrell shirt, you know. So um, I, I kind of I kind of look at it like that. It, it's it's really a separation. It for years it's been a separation uh, from my human side, and um, that that's where Terrell X comes in, and that's a whole nother story. So, <laughs> so much. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, and and Matt, do you want to mm. tell us a little more for people who haven't heard the other episode? Tell people about Shadow Horse, Dark Pony Radio, The Dark Gentleman. Give us the sure. So protracted pitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, horror fiction and anthological storytelling. Um, where we have two hosts who originally started off as the pale lady and dark gentleman. And now we have a new host. Uh, the pale lady has stepped aside for a little while. Uh, so we have a new host called the Scarlet Courtesan, who's now joined uh, Terrell. It's the dark gentleman. And I just got to say on the new episode was her first episode. They are even creepier than they were before. Um, if you thought they were dark at the start, they've gotten even darker and more twisted. I don't know how, but it just sounds, they sound terrifying um yeah so it, it has every kind of weird strain of horror uh some things are that i, I feel is an accessible show for a lot of people who aren't like i don't like horror because there's there's the old classic 30s 40s 50s horror like three skeleton key that's terrifying but what mm. you, know, you can sleep after it to uh gorgon which is our new medusa one uh and it 
the sound alone will make you not like rethink about what what's happening. It's very icky. It's very gross. Very gross. Um, so it, yeah, that's it. There, there, there. There's well, and almost and you, <laughs> and you, that's, it's great. And we, it, where can people find the URL real quick? And then I want to talk about what we're going to do. Right now you. you can find uh, the dark, you can find the, the podcast on all major podcast sites. Uh, Asha.com is where our, we have one launch sites. So you can subscribe and have our new newsletter called the veil. And our website is still at shadowhorsetheater.com. Uh, and you can find dark pony and all the other shower stuff currently. Go and on. Mark. Since the listeners have now been led to your website, I would love to point out that uh, there's a gorgeous photo shoot for the Dark Pony Radio Hour. These pictures are beautiful. Oh. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that before we move on because they're just oh, so the, vintage and nice. The pale lady and dark. <laughs> yeah, they're yeah. great. Where you're holding these uh these vintage playboys and playgirls. Uh, <laughs> there's some. Uh, I, I don't know if we put the flamingo one on there, but there's one where Terrell's was dressed in flamingos for a while. Uh, <laughs> that was actually um, uh, the photographer Eva. She uh owns grandpa's pool house and we went up there to uh her place called grandpa's pool house just north of minneapolis and it's this giant home with an indoor pool uh and all this vintage stuff you can take photos of it and, and she just did some amazing photos there she does private photos as well um and uh yeah she did a photo shoot with my my wife that's how we met and then uh, we liked the vibe, so we went out there and did it. it it's a it's a it's an interesting place, um, and they do book for like private parties and things like that at Grandpa's Pool House. So I would just say check out Grandpa's Pool House website um, if you are interested in the photography and or oh place. Yeah, yeah, Grandpa's Pool House, absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's super Very cool. cool. We got to do another photo shoot up there soon with uh, with the new host as well. So. I don't know if I've ever told this story in the pod, but this is a little this is a little personal story. So my stepfather, his father, ran a bar in Robinson, North Dakota. And if you want to look at a map of where Robinson is, what I say, it's where the devil teaches you to play the blues in the snow. It's it is like a crossroads. It is, and there used to be. It's I don't even know what's out there now, but it used to be literally a town with like one bar on one side of the street, another bar on the other side of the street, a little community center, like a couple of churches, the post office, and a bunch of like small houses and trailers. I mean, like a hundred people lived out there. Long story short, I that's where I learned how to play pool, Grandpa's Pool House. It's where I learned how to throw darts, Grandpa's <laughs> Pool House, Grandpa Danny. And the mm. craziest thing happened. I was in New York. Um, I, I mean, obviously in St. Paul right now, but I was in New York and I was looking, I was poking around at work, you know, how you you click on links you shouldn't at work, like news links yeah. and things. I don't mean not safe for work links. <laughs> your mind out of the gutter. But um, but you know, you click on links you ought not to to pass time. And I'm suddenly looking at the Wall Street Journal and it says North Dakota bar pulls off monumental coup. And I click, and and my my stepfamily, they sold the bar, but the caveat was it's gotta still be called Hansen's Bar. They said that's it's one of the only things that has any continuity in this town, right? Wall Street Journal story about my grandpa's bar, old bar, about how they claim to be the center of the North American continent, which had hitherto been claimed by rugby North Dakota, 
center of North America. The new owner was trying to stir up some controversy and some whatever, some business and press, and he got it. I mean, he did a good job. So he's like, well, rugby, how do they know? Has anyone measured? How do you do that? It doesn't really work. I mean, it's not a circle, North America. So they said, no, Hanson's Bar is the center of the North American continent. And they put a little, you know, stamp. And apparently rugby hadn't like trademarked it. So they put in all the trademarks. So I guess every year they have something called Center Fest and they make like trebuchets. You know what a trebuchet is? Like a medieval weapon. And they yep. make these, this is this is how I grew up. So, you know, my eccentricities maybe make a little little more sense. But in any case, you say grandpa's bar and I get all, I get all triggered. And, and <laughs> <laughs> So, where, but where is this Grandpa's Bar? You may have said, but where Grandpa's is it? Pool House. Uh, oh, it, a pool house. Yeah, north of Minneapolis, up near Cambridge area. I can't remember. It's it's like off. It's not like actually in a town. It's a little bit off. Hmm. off a it's a, it's like a roadhouse. Essentially, yeah. It, it, uh, but it's massive. <laughs> oh so, wow! Okay, yeah. cool, fun, awesome. Oh, and it's literally a pool. What am I talking about? <laughs> Yes, pool. So you set me up. Actual yeah, yeah. Pool. I'm looking. <laughs> actual pool. Wow. Okay. Okay. Cool. That that'd be a fun thing to visit. Minnesota has a bunch of weird, kind of little roadside attractions and goofy things so. uh, like that. Yeah. Um, well, Terrell, are you are you in Minneapolis? Did you say where? I'm in St. Paul. You're in St. Paul. All right. Here we go. I'm yeah, in East Canada. St. Paul. Oh, yeah. yeah little little Canada is great. Yeah. Little yeah. Canada is great. I, there's an archery place up there. Oh, Bawana Archery that I some sometimes go to. If you've never heard of it, yeah, it's cool little weird. Um, archery is a great hobby if you like. Oh yeah, sh shooting things. I mean, you can go to I like the range. Oh, you should do it. Yeah, well, and it, and it's a lot more affordable than like going off and fight. Ammo has gotten really expensive, but again, that's another that's for another podcast. <laughs> but you can if you you buy your bows, you buy your you buy your bow, you buy your arrow. You can go to a place like Buana and like throw down six dollars and shoot for an hour. Anyway, yeah, Little Canada is great, and and Little Canada has a a gold medalist uh, champion from from the Olympics. Yeah, mm. her That's she's sweet. a little well, bit of history. Well, no, I mean she won at the last Olympics. She she won the uh, Sunisa Lee. She won the all around gold medal. Yeah, they have a little uh, over by Lake Phelan here. They have a little um, statue to her. Yeah, this, this town because it was all kind of COVID crazy and whatever. Yeah, we could have done a much better job like calling her out because she won the twenty twenty. She's like, I think she's maybe the first Hmong gold medalist. I mean, she won the all around, all around championship anyway, and she she oh, trained cool. at Little Canada. There you go. That's awesome. Got some history shout right out, down the street. Right. Hey, shout out to yeah. her. Yeah. Cool. Well, so um, let, let's talk a little bit more about how you all developed the the Dark Gentleman and how this season's going to change because now you have the the Crimson Lady. Did you say courtesan? The Crimson Courtesan. Oh, I like the alliteration. That's very good. Okay, great. So how is that? How is that going to change the dynamic of the show? Do you think for this season? Uh, I mean, I, I think. Terrell, you should take that because I, I know our last recording session was completely different than what we've recorded with like the pale lady. So I, I don't know. Uh, how's it feeling, Terrell? Um, it's feeling darker. <laughs> if, if it can get any darker, um, it's feeling uh, creepier and it's feeling uh, more old. Not in, and not in the way of like um, in, not in the way of like um, I don't know like um. Let me find the right word. Like, in an elder way, not elderly, 
you know, like, um, I think it seems like we're coming off in this new, in this new season, kind of more, um, with more background and more history behind us. You know, there's, there's more of a backstory, um, you know, that's going to be like, I feel like when, when I was doing my parts, I felt like I was more of an OG. Even more. Maybe the show's maturing a bit. Mature. Okay, there, there it is. There it is. Yeah, that's yeah, the word. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah it's, I, it seems more, it, yep, it seems darker, more mature, um, creepier. And uh, we just seem like we're, we're going to be, be displaying our age as being as old as we're said to be in, in the lure. You know, we're, we're going to be that. Um, I'm, I'm definitely going to try to be darker creepier, more, um, more calculated, you know, um, with, with the approach and the way I speak and, um, um, things are just looking, looking, looking like there's more fun going to be had. Well, that was already fun. You know? And this season two, there'll be two episodes. We've already had one, uh, where the dark gentleman's actually a character in the story, uh, and the Palladium has been a character in the story. And then, uh, we have one coming up in our next grouping, um, we haven't recorded yet, but we just started rehearsals for it, where there'll be, again, uh, our three, like, ethereal characters will be um, in, in another story, telling another, uh, not, like, as observers, just these other creatures. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to, to be writing stories about them while they're hosting and this whole thing and making it different, extending the world a little bit more. Have you ever done a, a live show with it or done anything like that? We did a fringe show, I think during our first season, um, a couple of years ago, uh, where we did our live performance of Carmilla. Um, we did oh, a script for that one, and then we redid, then we recorded it last season and did a different version, a little bit longer version uh, of, of Carmilla. Uh, and and Terrell actually uh, did the opening song live and did some beatboxing beforehand and did a whole thing with that. Uh, we've been talking about doing another live show. Um, we, I, I've written, I've written a more distinct show design for live because it, it, it'd be fun to do the podcast live, but then it's just a podcast live. So we're trying to figure out what else we can do to make it not theater, not just doing a play, but doing a play like old timey radio. I, I, sh uh, you know, where they were like Foley effects and all that. I, yeah. uh, I saw. Oh gosh, I wonder if I can remember what this is called. Let me. I'll, uh, in the background, I'll poke around and look this up because if you've never oh. heard of this, it's really worth it. But I can describe the show. I saw this down in Austin and they did a live comic book where they displayed the comic stills, you know, big, way, way, way Ooh. big. And then they did Foley. They had Foley artists and musicians and maybe it was a group of eight people. And they they did the entire comic book with all the effects and the cool. voices, and it was a very cool idea. I mean, and they would look it up in the background and, and see. Hmm. I love that kind of performance that busts open your expectations. It's not a movie. It's not a comic book. It's I guess it's theater. It's theater, but mm -hmm. it's it's working with other forms. I love that stuff. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I, it, you know, mm -hmm. Adding that multimedia feel to it rather than just being a regular theatrical play like i'm going to show, go see just these people perform this show on the stage but um and i'm a sucker for immersive theater uh so there there's a little bit of that i always like to throw in 
uh, like the show that I've written is very immersive, very kind of horrific at this point. Um, uh, and kind of multimedia feel to it, but, uh, which might be something we look at in the future. It's more about like allocation of money and where that all can go to. Uh, cause last totally. year we about it, but we went to, uh, ho- um, uh, horror convention, Crypticon last year, Crypticon. uh, had a booth there. Terrell also was just beatboxing and, and hanging out, playing music the, the entire time there. Got to meet some people, some really great people, talented people, and just talk about the show, really. Um, what's, the guy, what's the guy's name from Gremlins again? The main guy. What's his name? Oh, Zach, uh, Zach Galligan? Yeah, he was there. He was across from us. He was, he was across from us. And then, yeah. yeah and then, jamming uh, to us. <laughs> that's awesome. Yep. Uh, yeah. If we, we haven't have... seen Gremlins, I mean, what uh, are you doing? Come on, get, man. First do that, and then go listen to some Dark Pony Radio. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, there was a, it. Was a, it was a good experience, good time, um, and really just getting out there to, to keep showing wares and talking about the show and getting people interested. Uh, so it's kind of what we're just trying to get more and more listeners, try to get our name out there more and just have people like talk about it mm-hmm. uh, so we can get farther and farther. Let me just circle back real quick and mention I found an NPR article about the show. I, I googled uh, the show I was talking about. Uh, it, it's it's called Intergalactic Nemesis from Radio to Page to Stage. And I looked, I, I googled Austin Foley Effects comic book production, and it's the first thing that came wow. up. Google is not yet entirely busted, but let me let me just <laughs> read like. Let me read a few paragraphs of this because I think this is really good, and I think it'll give you an idea of what the show was. D- do y'all mind? What? No? Okay. Uh, so it, said, it says, what began in the 1990s as a traditional radio play at a coffee shop in Austin, Texas, has morphed from a radio play to a graphic novel to a live performance. Mm-hmm. The intergalactic nemesis is now traveling around the country with three actors, one Foley artist, one keyboardist, and 1,200 graphic novel images. Audiences show up not quite <clears throat> sure what to expect, but they often leave smiling to set the stage. It's 1933. There's a Pulitzer Prize winning reporter, an evil hypnotist, a time traveling librarian and alien sludge monsters. The radio play, uh, says the producer, started simply with scripts, a few actors and some crazy noises. And it goes on literally sound for everything. I just think this part is really funny. Chris Gibson plays nine characters in the show. (laughs) He has four death scenes. He says he loves being encouraged to overact and go as far as he possibly can. I just so you can get an idea. Yeah, go ahead, Amanda, because you do voice acting and stuff. Yeah, I do. And you know what, man? Who needs an Oscar when you play nine characters and you have four deaths in a comic book Foley show, man? Like you made it. You've absolutely made yeah. it, dude. And you had me at uh, what is it? Sl- Alien sludge monsters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean- Totally that sounds nuts. awesome. I mean, yeah. Matt, Matt, I'm telling you, this like, is where it's at. I want a Halloween yeah. dark pony radio Foley it's, it's like, funny. extravaganza. Uh, it, it was discussed with us that we should start doing graphic novels. So it's actually been on our on my list. I've been talking to a couple of illustrators already, but nothing as of yet. Um, but yeah, so that is a that is actually in the works. Uh, so stay tuned. M- more on that. Mm, uh, cool. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it is true. I mean, everyone loves playing so many characters. I never really thought about it. Uh, you know, we always are trying to get that as an actor. You're trying to get that role that's just the main role because one, you get paid more. Two, we get more t- stage time to to enjoy and just act. Uh, but like this, even with our other show, Drinking Game Minnesota, uh, people love playing various like thirteen characters. Hmm. 
they all have four like four lines a piece. They might not even be named. It might be like person number one that sits on the bus, and people love it. They just love being able to do that. I, and like the the amount of talent it takes to play like fourteen characters is also just ridiculous. It's so interesting too because as a playwright, there there are trends where, uh, and I think this is still an ongoing trend. And maybe Mario, you can speak to this a little bit where. Doubling is kind of frowned upon if if your play is serious. And I think this has to do with ma realism, which by the way doesn't exist. There's no such thing as realism. You can't as it's right. a ridiculous concept, but they take it so seriously. And if you're not writing parts for one, you know, for for three actors and it's a serious da-da-da, it's not a serious play. And I, I'm no, no, I I love doubling and I love you know, actors who can do multiple things. And this this idea that I have floating around for Amanda, which I've teased a lot and have yet to start writing and I must start writing. It's going to be a one woman. No, I know. I know, Amanda. But it's going to be a one woman <laughs> show where she writes, a, you know, or where she, where she acts in my head. It's going to be a one woman show where she plays multiple roles all the way through. And it's going to make sense when I finally do it. And I will finally eventually do it. And <laughs> because realism, it, it doesn't exist. Okay. Anyway, that's, I went on my, yeah, go and on, Mari. No. Nope. Oh, sorry, Maria. I just want to say one thing. And it's less fun for the audience. Like the mm -hmm. audience wants to see the transformation. That's what's so fun I, because I, you I, feel I, like a kid. You're like, oh, look at the magic. I, I I just think it's a yes and thing. I think we can have the we can have the Hamlet production where every single part, you know, da da da, and then we can have the you know the weird play that where somebody plays nine nine characters. Um, Mari, what's up? Well, I, you know, I was going to say that I do agree with you that doubling is kind of seen as like a non-serious thing in theater, but you know where there's been a lot of doubling in the past couple of years is in horror movies. If mm. you've seen um, the the Suspiria remake, where Tilda Swinton plays like four or five different characters, and it's amazing, and she's got these incredible prosthetics. And then if you guys saw the movie X, which I think came out two years ago, that has Mia Goth playing yeah. I two two different characters. There's something that's so scary about doubling. And I mean, you guys are the the horror nerds. So what do you think? Like horror is so uniquely primed for I think it, that kind it, of scariness. It depends on the medium too. Like when you talk about horror and film, I think when they start doubling up roles in film, it's usually done for a very specific reason. And there's more to tell the story with the doubling. Like in Suspiria, you can, you can, you know, uh, I mean, that the remake is amazing. If you have not seen it, it is extremely uncomfortable. Um, the first horror scene, you're just like, just want to curl in a ball and cry. <laughs> um, it, but like having that actor play, because the main character is, is very, uh, without spoiling too much, very witchy. So having them play multiple characters adds to that persona of, or overarching magic and power you know if you don't double it's kind of like oh okay whatever it, it, but as soon as you start doing and then when you do it in the audio first one you know we're back to voiceover where you could have one actor play 13 different characters 13 different voices you would never know it's the same actor but we we do it because one it's fun two we can and uh financially it's cheaper uh yeah. <laughs> but, um you know in in theater it's the same thing like film i feel it's used in different contexts sometimes. And I know comedy tends to use it a lot more because it's comedy. Um, I mean, I would love to see more horror shows in, in theater use more doubling, more people doing multiple things. Because uh, like w when we did Clive Barker's uh, Crazy Face uh, years ago, that, that has like 30 plus characters in it or 25 oh. or something like that. Huge cast. 
huge cast. They did it. The original cast, I think, did it with like six or seven people. That's it. And I, I still don't know how they did it because we did it with like 20 people still. And we still had to double up. But uh, mm. it's, it, you know, I love to see that more and more. Of why not? Why not put 30, 40, 50 people into a show? And you know, let's go. Let's go. Are you saying you want to see bigger casts or more doubling or both? Uh, I think <laughs> all of it, because in reality, you know, we talk about extras in movies. We talk about extras there. They're all the crowd standing there. But, you know, even in the uh, like in the audio when I'm writing too, I'm like, I got to keep it a little lower because. But the, rea the reality is when someone's in a subway, like how often is it three people? And how often is it two people having an intimate conversation that not other 30 people are watching and listening while someone's being in the corner, you know, it's like mm -hmm. the reality of that world. Let's, let's, let's flush it out. Let's see. Yeah. And I, th I mean, I want the Julius Caesar where the pleb scenes are like a hundred people so that the audience is mm -hmm. so uncomfortable and just squeezed in there, you know, that like all the actors are in, in the aisles and everything. And you can just, you know, feel their breath on you and all, and the, the hysteria. Yeah. I, you know, mm -hmm. there's something about um, sense activating the senses more in theater that I I hope we we push because we're never going to get the realism that we get in film. So, you know, let's let's maximize what we have. Totally agree. Sleep no more is makes. I don't know how big their cast is. I don't know if any of you know, but I mean, they make it feel. It's probably mm -hmm. not as many people as you'd think, but they're all running around like crazy. They're all getting paid. And uh, yeah, that's a very haunting experience for sure. Yeah, Amanda. I may be wrong. I had a friend who did it for a long time and I'm thinking it's 35 to 40, but then they okay. have, you know, some understudies or people who go in and out of, you know, of course with sicknesses and whatnot. But I mean, yeah, that was intense. That It was an intense uh performing schedule and very rigorous training, you know, physically I, mm, demanding. And yeah. I wonder awesome. if your friend is the one who gave me the sixth floor treatment. Uh, have I ever told the sixth floor story on this podcast? Amanda Mar, you would know. I know, okay, I well, know me... we've heard it. I don't know if you told it on okay. the podcast. All right. Well, I'm going to tell it. I'm going to tell it to our guests okay. right now. So the, the sixth floor treatment in, in Sleep No More, if you can go, you can look it up online. Uh, I got, sh they, they take you into an ele elevator I don't think I'm giving anything away because I think one person a night gets this or like a few people a night. Um, they take you up to the sixth floor, open the elevator, and then shove you out into a dark hallway. Uh, some woman in a white dress was waiting there, uh, put me in a wheelchair, an old-timey wheelchair, wheeled me down to the other end of the hallway, lay me flat, and there was a diorama above me of some old-timey castle, like Macker's Castle, maybe, something like that, and music was playing, and she gave me this speech, I'm pretty sure from that play, uh, from the Scottish play, and, and then she sat me back up, raced me down to the other end of the hallway, shoved me out of the chair, and vanished... And then there was one of the attendees was just beckoning me with his his, his or her finger. It was just crazy. That's crazy. Awesome. I've told that story a dozen times in different contexts, but wow, what an experience that was. And that's talking about activating the senses. I mean, geez. Yeah, Amanda. Yeah, the actor, um, his name is Louis Butelli, and he's one of the most amazing actors. I've been in shows with him. I've assisted, directed him. at the He's at the Folger, um, and he's just an absolute amazing actor musician does it all 
And he's such a clown. He reminds me so much of um, has this Bill Irwin vibe to him and sort of same body type. But gosh, he's just an amazing Shakespearean actor and just one of those guys who kind of does it all puppetry, you know, oh. kind of clowning stuff. And he's just he's wonderful and he's so magical to watch. So shout out to him. He used to do <laughs> Sleep No More. And I think he actually did the production overseas where it was in Amsterdam. I think he was there for a while and I don't know if it's still going on, but yeah, he he was with that show a long time. Yeah. yeah. I know everybody raved about that and I was prepared to be kind of like, eh, really? No, it was, it was ridiculously good talking about the haunted basement. Um, well, so uh, Terrell, where can people find you? Because you must have your own website and, or, or if you don't, I, I guess I'm just asking, where do people find you? They want to hear about carnage uh yeah um carnage the executioner.com is my website <laughs> obviously right um you I'm mean on, it wasn't uh, taken <laughs> no uh i'm going there right they, tr- they tried to but no um i'm on instagram um at carnage the executioner i'm on twitter the old school twitter um carnage xxxl so carnage triple xl um, those are my main places. Oh, and I'm on Facebook as Connor's the Executioner also. Mm. And I, I highly recommend going seeing uh, one of his shows. You should you should see him live because it's amazing. Super cool. Absolutely. Well, Followed. When's mm, your next show, yeah. Terrell? My next show is on January 26th at the White Squirrel Bar. Um, I do a residency every fourth Friday of the month there. I'm picking back up this January. Um it's called the collaboratory. That's what uh, that's what the concept is, and we just get down all different types of musicians from all different areas. It's not just hip hop. It's, it's everything and nothing at the same time. Um, there's no particular uh, rules. The only rules is that everybody collaborates with with one another. So come and check that out on January 26th at the White Squirrel Bar. The White Squirrel Bar. I remember down down by Dinky Town, there was a white squirrel at one. Was it? Wonder. Well, yeah, well, back Not when I was one. there a long time ago. No, no, no. Hey. I mean, no. I mean, there was literally a white squirrel. I don't mean. Oh. I don't mean the bar. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> like, remember, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Right. Literal over here. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, no. But I'm, I'm looking up the white squirrel bar. That looks mm-hmm. that looks like a it's, good time. Uh, yeah, nice spot. Uh, the theaters, Kitty Corner, a North, um, uh, North Garden Theaters, right. Right, kind of kitty corner away from it. Mm, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, yeah, is, come, come check us out. Yeah, is it over? Is it over in St. Paul here? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's in St. Paul. Oh, yep. Oh, okay. oh, yeah. That's oh, awesome. Easy. Oh, yeah. I love, well, 7th Street is right where Waldman Brewery is. They're our kind of mm-hmm. home away from home when we when we get, mm-hmm. get around to getting down and doing readings. Um, this is a totally from le- left field, but uh, Terrell, do you have totally from left field, but I've got him on the mind because of this other show that I do. We do these biographical episodes about dead artists. Uh, Prince, you are you a Prince guy? Or, oh yeah, or, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do you over? Obviously, I mean, what are you going to say? I mean, you're in St. Paul, yeah, just absolutely, no, no, yeah, or, yeah, Prince- no, for sure. Do you remember? Do you remember the day that he passed away? Where were you when it when he passed away? Uh, oh, where was I? I don't, re- you know what? I don't remember, but I remember where I was at when Michael Jackson passed. Oh, you did? Yeah. I, I was, I was doing a, I was doing a, um, yeah, I remember where I was at when Michael Jackson passed. Not when, not when Prince passed. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, do you, 
What was the date again? What what was the exact date? Oh gosh, I can't remember the exact date. I can I can look it up. Where were you when Michael Jackson passed? Um, I was at um, it used to be the um the old uh recording school, high school for recording, not high school for recording. The the old uh college for recording in downtown Minneapolis. Okay. Um, Yeah, we were doing a, a a a get together. We had to make a song in one night. Um, event there oh, cool. and uh, yeah and, and well, but prince would have loved that i mean that's what he yeah, uh, yeah. that's yeah. what he did i mean apparently there's a trove of unreleased stuff I oh yeah mean, yeah it's, it's pretty crazy so yeah, yeah. We, we were doing that and somebody was like yo michael jackson just died and we were like oh man what? so yeah yeah. So that's what I was doing. I don't remember what I was doing when Prince passed away, though. Yeah, yeah, no, it's all it's all right. It was it was in April of 2016, and I was in the Caribou Coffee uh, right on the edge of of St. Paul and Roseville, and I was talking with my friend over in London, who's my my writing partner, with whom uh, I will be writing something for for Dark Pony Radio later this year. Kind of mm-hmm. Heading toward the summer, we're going to get it. We're going to get into it. We'll make our deadline. Don't worry. Um, I love deadlines. They're very motivating. Um, but then it was so crazy because she told me she was in London and she told me Prince just died. And then I started looking around at the coffee shop and you could just see everybody get the news and no. start text start texting it was a it was like a real social media moment for for me because by 2016 everybody had their phone right the, the baristas stopped mm-hmm. what they were doing and mm-hmm. then it, and then it was like everybody went downtown and it was the yep. current played his whole catalog from a to z just uh gone too soon i don't think we've talked about prince on this pod but you know we're, we're twin cities uh one of the best ever I mean, he's the. I, I this is this is maybe uh, doesn't say enough about him, but I can sort of say he's the Elvis of the North, of the of the North Country. Like he has that level. You know, nobody's bigger than Elvis, but nobody's bigger than Prince either. And yeah. just absolute, an absolute. Nobody did it like Prince. Nope, nope. And, and 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 well, in any case, um, okay. What what else is what else is Shadow Horse uh, doing, Matt? I mean, are you doing any other projects? I mean, I know you have the you uh, list the drinking game and all the rest. We yeah, have our uh, our regular uh, drinking game Minnesota, which is going on to its twelfth or thirteenth year uh, this February. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're we're now officially at Can Can monthly again. So our next show for that is going to actually be January 27th. So you can go to Terrell's show at the White Squirrel on the 26th. On the 27th, you can come to Can Can and watch us do Pitch Perfect on stage. Our um, listeners have a full weekend here. Like, right? this is perfect. Uh, we could just be uh, their social, social, uh, you know, planners. It's yeah. perfect. Uh, and then hopefully the following week, you'll get the new episode um, of Dark Pony as well. Uh, so, yeah, that's what we've got going on right now. We've got another project in the works uh, coming up. We just need to nail, nail down some pre-production stuff before we can really announce and go further with it. Uh, and we have, um, I think we're, do- Terrell, is it an EP we're doing, I think? Yeah, mm-hmm. we're, we're releasing an EP with all the music, uh, Terrell's music for uh, the podcast and everything um, sometime soon. I, I don't have a set deadline for that one, but it should be within the next like two or three months. It's coming. That's awesome. So I, I do have a question. One more question for Terrell. How uh, did you start writing the music? Did you sort of get the theme um, from Matt and the cast of, about what the stories were going to be? And then kind of you just went from there? Or did you actually have the script 
or did you have some kind of music stuff first? Um, what I did was, um, at first I talked to Matt about everything that was going on with uh, Dark Pony Radio at the time because I wasn't a part of it. So I had to get some, some background on it. But, um, and then I had like three beats that I had made, beatbox uh, versions of these beats, and I sent them to Matt and I said, uh, which one of these do you like the best? You know, which one would sound, you know, uh, you know, more fitting um, with what you visualize Dark Pony Radio to sound like audibly or as a rap beat. And he picked this one that was really super slow. And I was mm. like, okay, this is, this is fun, you know, because it, it gave me room to, to you know, because I'm a fast rapper. So to make, to make this, um, this song more easily digestible, um, it's super slow. I mean, this song might be like 70, 77, 78 BPMs. So it's pretty slow. And then it didn't all the way come together until I broke out the episodes. Because then again, you know, to tell you again, I wasn't part of the, the whole experience at first. So mm -hmm. I was, I was um, trying to figure out what angle I would come from with the writing. And it wasn't until I listened to the episodes that it all started coming to me. So I listened to the first episode. And um, that was the, um, the um, sorry, wrong number. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, grab the pen, immediately start writing stuff down. Um, and then I listened to, you know, three or four other ones. And I started just pulling um, things that happened in the stories out to, you know, to, uh, to describe and personify into a rap well, once I started writing a song. So it, it, it just all came to me so easily once I started listening to the episodes. That, that's, that's what it was right there. Awesome. And I... So I'm sure the listeners now are dying to hear this, maybe like I am. Can you do a snippet? Can can oh. you use the executioner? Let's <laughs> oh, you gonna go there. Okay. Let me let me let me pull it. Let me pull up the lyrics. Hold up. Give me a second. No pressure. All right. No all pressure. Right. Sometimes he, you know we have to leave it for the in person. That's totally fine. Oh, man. Too, but that is all right. That is all right. Go to and yo. You're gonna yeah. do an outro. You're gonna please do an outro for us. I'm Kevin Couchman with Mari Sittner and Amanda Forstrom. This is <coughs> Relax and uh, uh, Matt Kelly, Matthew Kelly, and uh, go to CarnegieExecutioner.com and ShadowHorseTheater.com. T R E uh, and yeah, we're Badmouth Theater Company. BadmouthTC.com, ninety-four point one FM, Frogtown Radio. Terrell, give us an outro, please. All right, here's the hook first. They've told you what to think, how you have to feel, but you can escape and fight the power. That's for real. A gold mine may be close. Go attend the Shadow Horse Theater's old time radio show. Um, hello, my great greedy ghouls and dear devilish darlings. Engage these frequencies. Toss that irrelevant garbage for the fear peddling carn. For the fear-peddling jargon you hearken to from naughty stories sages, we promise it'll be a haunting for the ages. The dark gentleman towers with fitting facts and carnage who didn't wait until he was dead to make a living as an artist. Here's what plaguing his rabbit is vinyl means. Song sounds like a train is going by. 
Nobody will hear your final screams. Dwelling in Macy's halts a hearty long slumber. I'll answer your calls for you with a sorry wrong number. On the road to death but don't know what yet. Just go peacefully or you won't be let off the meat hook so easily. Got three skeleton keys unlocking subconscious doors. The old ones are gonna repeat us like a flock of callers. Grapple your heart, homie. If fragile, just start slowly. But even a child rolling can saddle the dark pony.